0: Welcome to 12 Scholars, a brand new podcast dedicated to personal development. In this first series, we meet 12 inspiring people, all with a bias for being proactive. To learn more about personal development and how you can take your performance to the next level, visit our website and click the button to subscribe. In this week's show, we meet Nigel Bennett. Nigel is chairman at Halliday's, a forward-thinking business advisory and accountancy firm.
1: Anybody can be what they want to be. They've got to choose to be it, recognise what they are, and then do the work. The actions that they've taken are staggering. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking, why on earth didn't I do this 10
0: years ago? Is there a recommended book or a podcast that you listen to? I'm 60, Bob. I don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Nigel used to be sceptical about psychometric profiling, but now he's a big advocate of identifying your strengths and weaknesses. Over the years, Nigel has overseen Hallidays reposition itself from a traditional firm of accountants to the business partner for growth and support. A regular presenter at business events, Nigel is passionate about individuals and businesses taking action. In this episode, we we'll sit down with Nigel to discuss how you can become more proactive by playing to your strengths. So welcome, Nigel, to 12 Scholars. Thanks, Bob. How are you doing today? Great. Great every day. You joined Halliday's in 1990. How would you describe the profession at the time?
1: Completely different. I was thinking about this earlier. It isn't just the industry that was different then. In 1990, the world was different Have you heard of the phrase Avuka VUCA world?
0: Yes. Yeah. Volatile, uncertain.
1: Yeah. And that was coined by the US military based on situations in Afghanistan and Iraq, but it definitely applies to the business world. 30 years ago, the profession was quite staid. It wasn't that long prior to that where the partners at holidays at lunchtime used to go up in their bowl hats and their pinstripe trousers with a brolly under one arm, and the FT up to the St. James's Club at lunchtime. And sometimes they came back in the afternoon, you know. So times have changed a lot. Also, we had to call everybody Sir, which to my mind is just ludicrous. It was ludicrous then and it's ludicrous now. I hate all of that autocratic stuff. The organisations that surround the institution, like the ICAEW and other professional bodies, They wanted to perpetuate the the profession as it was.
0: Very much a a status quo.
1: A status quo, exactly. And although the profession is more forward-thinking than it was then, I still think there's a lot more the profession could do to move it forward. Business owners don't want to speak to accountants. They want to speak to business advisors. Accountants essentially are looking at historical data, so they're looking backwards. Business advisors should be looking forwards, and that's where your entrepreneurial clients are looking. They want to look forward and they want help looking forward. Obviously, you've got to do all the basic stuff that accountants have to do in terms of tax, et cetera, statutory accounts, but that is the boring side. It's compliance, things that they have to do, not things that they want to do. The profession is still presented as an accountancy profession. That presentation of the profession means that certain types of people are attracted to the profession. We profile everybody at holidays. I used to be very, very skeptical about psychometric profiling and really didn't want to do one, mainly because I went for an accountancy job many years ago. I did a psychometric profile and they said, no, you're not suitable for the accountancy job, but we've got a vacancy in sales. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, I sort of didn't take kindly to that because I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm an accountant, I'm not a salesman. That was all nonsense, obviously. Then one of the proactive accountants that I'm mixed with, who's um, Rob Walsh from uh, Caution, said, come down and, and visit offices. So I went down to his offices and said, look, I'm going to get the profile lady in and I'm going to profile you. And so she profiled me and he had a look at the profile and it was done. It only takes really short, short amount of time, less than 10 minutes. So, he uh, says, oh, yes, you're somewhere to the right of Pol Pot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like all good leaders. Yeah, yeah.
1: so I, I looked at this I said, it's okay. It's sort of reasonably accurate, but not that accurate. And um, so, uh, Rob suggested that I showed it to my wife and to my then partners. So I sent this out to my part saying, I've had this um, psychometric profile done. What do you think about it? Is it reasonable? Is this anything like me? Cause I'm, you know, I didn't say, I think it's sort of, it's okay, but not hundred percent accurate. So then I got some responses back saying, um, 11 out of 10, <laughs> they got you nailed <laughs> and things like that. So at that point I thought I better take it a little bit more seriously. I profiled the whole board. That made me change the way that I dealt with some of the board members. So uh, one of the board members um, was a typical accountant. Typical accountants tend to have high attention to detail, be tax focused, want to do one thing at a time, really don't like change. So we would agree in board meetings changes that we'd need to make in the firm and he'd say yes. And then he'd walk out of the room with no intention of doing it. In fact, he would actually actively undermine those change processes we used to getting to email slanging matches, which were quite childish, to be honest with you. So I'd say, oh, you, I'd send him an email saying, um, You agreed to do some, such and such a thing. Why haven't you done it? Um, can you just get on with it now? I need someone back saying, Essentially, no, I won't. So I'd send one back saying, Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was pointless. Couldn't get anywhere. After we'd been profiled and I found out what his communication styles were like and what suited him, I changed my email tone and my relationship with him changed overnight. So I used to say to him, I've got this problem, can you help me with it? And changing the the words to the email and saying, can you help me with do this thing? As soon as I changed the language, all of a sudden, yes, what, what would you like me to do, Nigel? It was amazing the difference it made. So, understanding people's profiles is really, really important to cohesive teams, communication styles that are all different, and making sure that you understand them all and you are tailoring things in the right way for different people because that's a responsibility from the top down. It's not responsibility from somebody at the bottom to understand all that and work it up. You train them over a period of time.
0: And would you say it matters? which profiling tool you use or just the concept of profiling in general helps
1: and we use one called disk which is quite um, a common one i like it because it's quick to do and it's relatively simple um, but there's a multitude of yeah. them out there you can go to really complex ones like myers-briggs and we have expertise in those things but we don't really would like to stick with the sort of simpler yeah. tools yeah. the reason i started this conversation was <laughs> is because It's a problem in the profession. So um, if you look at the people who are attracted to the profession, it attracts a certain type of person like that person who who doesn't want to change and who's task focused. And you really need people who are flexible, willing to change and want to talk to clients, want to base things on relationships, want to look at possibilities and future things and not be dealing with accuracy and detail and task focus and things like that, which a typical accountants do. So having profiled the board, I decided to profile the whole firm and I had certain teams in the firm who were adopting change programs and other teams that weren't. And when I looked at the profiles of the teams, the ones that were adopting change and making the change processes and leading it were ones with mixed profiles within the team. So they weren't full of accountants. The ones that weren't changing were full of accountants. And in particular, the leaders were typical accountants. Yeah. Okay. So trying to get those teams to change was much, much more of a challenge. So having that diverse bunch
0: created a more successful team.
1: Absolutely.
0: Just like football, if you've got 11 team players on a side, you don't just have 11 defenders or 11 strikers. You have different strikers, goalies, defenders, central defense.
1: Great analogy. And yeah, it's exactly like that. You need typical accountants on a team, but you also need business advisors. And my split would be 50-50. It is nothing like that in the profession. Good business advisors are in the absolute minority. Lots of people think they're great business advisors. There aren't that many of them to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> so, so having having done the um, the profiling tool on yourself and then rolling it out to the board and then the wider company... Is that something you still use today or how's that developed through to your, where you are today?
1: We still use it today. Now we profile every single person who comes into the firm because we're looking at the teams that they're going into. We look at the makeup of the team. It isn't the be all and end all. It's part of the recruitment process. But if we look at a team that needs somebody who is not the typical accountant, we will have a preference for people who've got a profile that is not a typical accountancy profile. However, it isn't the be all and end all. And even if you have a typical accountancy profile, you don't have to just accept that. Anybody can be what they want to be. They've got to choose to be it, recognise what they are, and then do the work to overcome the obstacles. For example, if I went to somebody who's a typical accountant who really wants to focus on their job and they're not too senior in the firm... And the only conversations they have with clients is really, can you send me your uh, working papers to do the VAT returns or something of that nature? So a simple requests. And I ask them to phone up the client and ask them how the business is doing. That's for them like going to the dentist with no anesthetic. Okay. So they're absolutely terrified of it. However, if you said that to somebody with a different profile, a more let's say salesy profile, yeah. then they're going to be much more comfortable just picking up the phone to a client and not knowing where the conversation is going to go. A Typical accountant doesn't want to have that conversation because they don't know where it could go next and they won't might not have all of the answers. Yeah, and that'd be a yeah.
0: disaster, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> but instead of saying, actually, that's interesting. What do you think? Or something like that. And
0: I suppose also um, when you know yourself very well and you can play to your strengths, you'll be able to almost instinctively profile your clients or people you're engaging with and how's best to communicate with them.
1: Absolutely. If you understand profiling, uh, which I, I do now, I profile people in my head just by talking to them and watching their behaviors and mannerisms and stuff like that. It's not natural thing for everybody to do, but some people can quite naturally modify their styles to the way that the person they're speaking to some people prefer to talk deliberately they're reflective they'll tend to be gaps in the conversation while they're thinking about things if you talk to them like i normally do with a ratted start machine gun approach they're not going to feel all that comfortable with me so i have to modify my style with those people but the impact of of even the awareness of it even if you don't modify impacts you in, on your personal life as well as the business life and it's um it's fantastic thing to recognize that actually people are different because there's not a good or bad profile they're all equally you know there isn't they're not good or bad as wrong way to describe them people are just different but the awareness of that and the awareness that it's not somebody's fault or something that they're different so I'm having a go at somebody because they talk in a different way to you or have a different style to you is just ridiculous really it's just they're different you know and that tons of difference is something that I feel is incredibly important in society. It's incredibly important to individuals, but it's incredibly important to team building and having a cohesive and firm that feels like the culture is exists. And it's not just something that's written on walls. This might be a good time to talk about HIT.
0: <laughs> on my on my list of examples of, of what what has Halliday's done to stay ahead, mm-hmm. you've also got hit classes. Now I've just come from the gym this morning, and when you talk to hit classes, um, I think of high intensity interval training. Yeah. So is that what you do at Halliday's? Well,
1: I also do hit classes. <laughs> so I also know what that acronym stands for. And when I was thinking about what we should call this internal training stuff, I just thought, oh, we'll call it holidays internal training. And I only then realized, oh, that's the same as so. But actually, there's, there are quite a lot of similarities. It's about really not, and this is one of the issues that I, that I have with the profession, there aren't many that I'm aware of, people who are training inside their firm, people to be great business advisors. There's a massive amount of fantastic training on people to be great accountants, but it isn't the same as being a great business advisor. And we recognize that we weren't doing enough of that when we talk about um, internal development, there's the internal development for people to be business advisors, but then there's the internal development that's about the individual. We do confidence classes and things like that. We do um, emotional intelligence stuff. So getting people to, and we'd also do things like everybody has their disc profiling gone through. So they understand what their styles are, what their communication styles are within the team. All of that sort of stuff is about and um, personal uh, personal learning. The hit stuff is sort of on top of that to try and encourage People within the firm to, to become business advisors and not accountants. I'll tell you a story about how that started because that's quite funny. Um, I, I I can get a little frish, a bit frustrated um, when I run um, courses, including the business AM, which maybe we'll talk about afterwards. About taking action because there is no point running a course if people don't take action I don't care about what people think about me in the course all I care about is that they take action as a result of the course that's the only thing that matters do something do something exactly and I know from uh, from courses that have been running holidays in the past that um, lots of people have committed to doing things and then not not done anything so the first thing I did um, before am I allowed and I it onto the course was I did a sort of pre-course Um, It was sort of a filter thing where I explained what the course would cover, but I also explained the sort of contract that would exist between me and them, which involved them having to take action and going outside of their comfort zone, not wildly outside, but just steps outside of their comfort zone and committing to doing a certain amount of time on this type of function between the the things. And I thought that um, when I... So I deliberately posed it in a way that was almost threatening. If you don't do this, you'll be off the course, right? You know, one strike and you're out. And, and are
0: we talking the, the hit classes or are we talking the business area? Cl- no, AM? this
1: is the hit classes. And nice. this was my presentation to the team to see, because um, I wanted to filter them, them down to the ones who people who really wanted to, who were committed to do it. And I had a room full of typical accountants and people who were um, more um, like business advisors and people from other areas in the firm. Um, and I thought I'd get a, um, you know, 50% dropout rate after my sort of dire warning and stuff like that. Um, I got a zero drop-off rate and um, everybody wanted to do it. So I realized that my perception about the desire for this learning Um, was completely wrong. And that even though people are typical accountants when they recognize that that this is where the profession should be going and actually is, but probably just a slower than clients want us to. And it affects their lives and their careers that the appetite for doing it was was enormous. And I think that's probably unrecognized and it certainly wasn't recognized by me. Um, So as a consequence of that, I let everybody who was in the professional services team, so the the people are facing clients attend the first hits and I had to split it up into two sessions because I have a mixture um, of seniority in the, in the teams. So people are quite new to the firm and who are working at um, a sort of trainee level and learning, uh, learning how to do the technical stuff and people who were, who are the uh, directors of the firm. And I didn't want to put people into a large group situation because Odd people are happy, happy talking in groups of that size. Quite a lot of people really aren't. Um, and especially when you've got a mix of, of knowledge um, and age, et cetera. Um, so, so, so you're looking for ideal size. Yeah, and that for me was about 10. Yeah. So I now have two, two groups of 10 where I'm training them to be business advisors. So that was my first sort of bit of surprise learning. The appetite for this is, is out there. The second, maybe it's just in holidays, I can't believe that. Um, The second bit of learning for me was I thought, okay, so they've signed up. doesn't mean that they're going to do all of these actions. The actions that they've taken are staggering. Absolutely. I'm I'm thinking, why on earth didn't I do this 10 years ago? Okay, so we've been doing it for about two years now. Um, And I'm just thinking, we should have done this 10 years ago because... The them having made the commitment, the actions that they take. Because the first thing that we do at the next session is review the the actions that they took based on the per- and, first. And can session. you give us an
0: example of, of those type of of actions? Well,
1: the last um, session we did was on um, how to do um, a pitch meeting, and um, so somebody who followed this pitch meeting process, who had never done one before, and um, generated a fee of twenty eight thousand. Okay. We're obviously quite delighted. <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, so are we. So, on that particular session, she got the bottle of champagne. <laughs> Very nice. Very
0: nice.
1: Have you ever had that, Bob? Just to reverse the questions on you. A, a,
0: a bottle of shampoo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perhaps after you've uh, done your first book and you come back to the BAM and explain what you've achieved, then you'll get the champagne. Then.
0: No, it's interesting because um, the, the actions, it doesn't have to be a big action, it could just no. be a small action. And it's something that can be done just to get that process going
1: absolutely for for,
0: momentum going
1: absolutely it's about steps it's really really important not to put people into the zot which is if you've got your comfort zone that's quite small and then there's an area that you can probably go into and the area outside that is the zot which is the zone of terror right and pushing anybody into the zot is really not good because it actually makes them go backwards not forwards One of the things that I hate is seeing unfulfilled potential in people. It's not our job to make people fulfill that potential and impose it on them. It's our job to give them the tools and the opportunities so that they can fulfill their own potential. And that's what HIT is all about.
0: So HIT's very much an internal for internal training. You mentioned the the BAMs. And one, one of the questions I had for you was, When working with clients, how do you help them stay proactive and actually look to the future?
1: The first point is cultural. If the business is focused on business advisory, it means that we're dealing with clients who are interested in in that area. So it's much less of an issue for, for new clients. When we pitch to new clients, they expect us to be a business advisory client. And so we pitch on that basis and you win work on that basis. Then you have to deliver. Part of that delivery is the is the train of the internal team so that when they're seeing clients on a, an individual basis, whatever member of the team who's seeing them is comfortable talking about these areas. So you end up with just a different conversation happening with clients, just as people are doing the jobs. If they've got the client, they start a conversation with the client, they've got the relationship of trust, um, and the clients have mentioned something that isn't going so well, it doesn't really matter what that is. Because once you've had a conversation in one area, like um, we benchmarked you and your GP is in the lowest quartile for your sector, is that something you'd be interested in looking at
0: I'd certainly be waking up to that yeah and <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so if you just go to the client and say you should be more profitable it's quite a difficult conversation what do you know about my industry however you could take a benchmarking report and say you're in the lowest quartile do you think it's worth investigating why that's happened and do you want any help us doing something about it even if they say no that is really interesting, I'll investigate it myself it's still valuable that you've provided it often they want some help because they didn't really recognize that so starting those conversations it doesn't matter where you start them once you've had one you, you build a belief within the client that actually, yeah, I should be talking to Nigel or whoever the person is in the firm because they're gonna have some knowledge and some input on this that's really, really valuable. And generally speaking, we do. Spreading that knowledge throughout the firm, which is what part of the HIT process is about, is making sure that that knowledge is as widely available as possible. And that's something that definitely should have done a lot earlier. The second element is the business AM process. The Business AM process is something that I wrote. It's a two-year business development program. It's nothing to do with accountancy. It's nothing to do with tax. It's nothing to do with statutory accounts. It's only to do with helping businesses be more successful. The vast majority of um, SME owners got there by starting doing a job for somebody else and then deciding that they can do it um, better themselves and going and start doing it themselves. So they really know how to do the operational side of that business. Most of them have had zero training on how to actually run a business. So. They don't want some um, rocket science um, degrees, business degrees from Durham University or whatever, um, even though I've done one of those, <laughs> um, that goes into massive amount of theory and detail. They want something that's practical, that allows them to think, actually that's something I can actually uh, do and change in my business right now. It's over two years, it's, it's in a logical order as though they'd started the business from day one. So you look at the big picture stuff first and then you work down to other things. Most businesses, are the same in every area except the operational bit, and so all the other parts of the business, it's really easy to deliver generally about. It's only the operational bit, what you actually do, right? and the operational bit is generally the bit that people don't have a problem with. They they all know how to do it. the operational yeah. bit. It's the other stuff they're not so good at. How do we market? How do we do the marketing? How do we grow sales? Um, um, you know, how do we how do we make sure our team are really happy and look after our look after our team. So the, the Business AM just helps them to recognize the other actions that they could be taking around their business and hopefully helps them to take it. Sometimes people want help with those actions. So they'll go to the people who on their, their tables and get them to help them. A lot of the time they take those actions on their own. And we record at the end of the Business AM program and at the beginning of the program where businesses are. And the changes broadly are somewhere between twenty and twenty-five percent across all of the metrics. So we're using um, HR and team metrics, personal metrics, um, uh, financial metrics, Um, and that's broadly the the improvement that you get over that two-year period. The people we have people who make significantly more than that. They're the ones who take action at everyone. They attend everyone and they take action at everyone. The people who are at the bottom, guess what? They skip out on the odd business AM and sometimes they don't take the actions.
0: And are you able to predict who, who are the more successful people through that program?
1: I can probably predict it within three sessions. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, because by that time, you know which ones are, are going to consistently take action. Carry on doing the same thing you've always done. Everybody knows that.
0: If you were to start all over again, what advice would you give your younger self? Um,
1: that would definitely be about limiting beliefs. Things happen to you in your formative years, let's say, that give people beliefs about themselves. And it took me quite a long time. I think I was over 30 before I recognized that that was something I could actually choose to change. The past has happened. You can't do anything about it. It's gone. The past has an impact on your pattern thinking, so your subconscious pattern thinking. And that's the stuff that causes the limit limiting beliefs in your head. It's subconscious, and that's the problem and people think if it's subconscious it's just part of them they're not easy to change by the way so because subconscious things are ingrained and the more they've been repeated the harder it is to change them people who smoke for years and years find it quite difficult to give up because it's completely it's, it's subconscious. the internal narrative absolutely and yeah. um, so um we could actually do a whole presentation on this by the way we do a blog on this <laughs> just individual points yeah okay so that, that is a really, really yeah. um, important thing. And, and because it's something that I feel I was affected by, it's really important to me that I don't like to see other people affected by it. Yeah. I like to try and make them aware that they can change themselves. And yeah. that's part of the learning that we try and give them.
0: Is there a recommended book or, or a podcast that you listen to? I'm to-
1: 60, Bob. I don't know what a podcast is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a wireless, but yeah. you can listen to it anytime you like. <laughs>
1: Is a recommended book at all yeah i can do books because uh, um as you know i've read quite a lot of business books but one of my favorites and the reason i really like it is because it's simple to understand it's really really easy to read and it's key to just about every business and that's the five dysfunctions of a team by patrick Lencioni. Yeah. it's a really accessible book and just useful for everybody anybody who wants to build teams it's just a fantastic book yeah.
0: Well, Nigel, thanks ever so much for being on 12 Scholars. I've certainly learned a lot today and can't wait to attend one of your next sessions. So thank you very much.
1: No problem. It's a pleasure.
0: That was Nigel Bennett, one of those people who's proactive to the core. In this episode, we learned more about being proactive and how you can play to your strengths. Nigel's advice is to identify your strengths and weaknesses using the DISC profile. Adapt your communication style to better suit those around you. Combine your specialist skills with those who are stronger in other areas. And differentiate yourself by getting better at what you're good at. To learn more about Nigel and meet other inspiring people, visit our website at 12scholars.com. In other news, our first edition of the journal is now available. It's a stunning collection of insights and practical advice written and designed to inspire the next generation of leaders. To get your copy, be sure to visit the website. That was the 12 Scholars podcast. If you like the episode, write us a review and be sure to tell one of your friends. My name is Bob and I look forward to joining you next time.